Welcome to this special bonus episode of Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today we will be discussing the life of Robert Ballard, a professor of oceanography best known for discovering the location of the wreck of RMS Titanic. Before we dive in, I must inform you. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel, wartime violence, and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Your discretion is advised. Please note before I begin that I am not a mariner, an expert in the field of maritime history, or a biographer, but I have done my research and will present the information as I understand it and with accurate nautical terminology. In today's episode, I will be including the basics of nautical terminology in the description for anyone who needs it. Today we are discussing the life of Robert Ballard, who is thankfully still alive as of the writing of this episode, and so this recollection will be all of his accomplishments up until this point. Robert Ballard is a personal hero of mine ever since my mother bought me the book Robert Ballard's Titanic when I was a child, so I'm excited to get into the story of his life. Robert Dwayne Ballard was born in Wichita, Kansas in the United States on June 30th, 1942, making him currently 80 years old. He was born to a mother of German heritage and a father of British heritage, and when he was very young, they moved him to Pacific Beach, San Diego, California, where he grew up. Ballard suffers from dyslexia, which is a disorder characterized by reading below the expected level for one's age, and it affects people in different ways. Some say that the letters of whatever they are trying to read or spell just get jumbled or swap places, and others just have a hard time spelling, reading quickly, writing words, sounding words out, etc. Since he is dyslexic, Ballard said he watched the Disney adaptation of Jules Verne's 1870 novel 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and that is one of the things that sparked his love of oceanography. He also credits living by the ocean in San Diego, as well as his fascination with the expeditions of the Trieste, a bathyscaphe that reached a record depth in the Mariana Trench on January 23, 1960. A bathyscaphe is a free-diving, self-propelled, deep-sea submersible that consists of a crew cabin similar to a bathysphere, but suspended below a float rather than from a surface cable, as in the classic bathysphere's design. If you're thinking, Eleanor, what the heck is a bathysphere? I've got you covered. A bathysphere is an unpowered, manned spherical chamber for deep-sea observation, lowered by a cable from a ship, and it was specifically used to conduct a series of dives off the coast of Bermuda from 1930 to 1934. It looks like a giant eyeball, like this. Before we get further into his career, for his personal life, Ballard married first wife Marjorie Jacobson in 1966, divorcing in 1990 and he would remarry, marrying Barbara Earle in 1991. With Marjorie, he had three sons, Todd, Doug, and Ben. With Barbara, he had one daughter named Emily. As for his career, Robert Ballard got his start in his field when he began working for Andreas Rechnitzer's Ocean Systems Group at North American Aviation, thanks to his father, Chet, who got him the part-time job in 1962. Chet was the chief engineer at North American Aviation's Minuteman missile program. While at North American Aviation, Ballard was tasked with working on a proposal to build a submersible called Alvin for the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, but unfortunately this proposal was dead in the water. 
1965, Robert Ballard would move his tassel from left to right as he graduated from the University of California in Santa Barbara, where he earned undergraduate degrees in chemistry and geology. While he was studying at UC Santa Barbara, he joined a fraternity called Sigma Alpha Epsilon, as well as completing the U.S. Army's ROTC program, giving him an Army officer's commission in Army intelligence. The ROTC, or Reserve Officers Training Corps, is a group of college and university-based officer training programs for training commissioned officers of the United States Armed Forces. The first graduate degree he earned, a Master of Science in 1966, was in geophysics from the University of Hawaii's Institute of Geophysics. There he trained porpoises and whales, which would be an incredibly cool experience. After this, he returned to Andreas Rechnitzer's Ocean Systems Group at North American Aviation. Robert Ballard was called to active duty in 1967 while he was working toward a Ph.D. in marine geology at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. He requested to be transferred from the Army into the U.S. Navy as an oceanographer, and this request was granted. For the Navy, he'd act as a liaison between the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, and the Office of Naval Research. He left active duty entering into the Naval Reserve in 1970, and he continued to work at Woods Hole, persuading organizations and scientists to fund and use ALVIN for undersea research. He'd receive his Ph.D. in marine geology and geophysics at the University of Rhode Island in 1974. In 1969, Robert Ballard took his first dive in a submersible in the Ben Franklin PX-15 off the coast of Florida during a Woods Hole expedition. The following summer in 1970, he began a field mapping project of the Gulf of Maine for his doctoral dissertation. This field mapping project used an air gun that sent sound waves down to the bottom of the ocean to determine the structure of the ocean floor. Alvin, the submersible, was also used during this project, mainly to find and recover a sample from the bedrock. Bedrock is a solid rock that lies under loose material within the crust of the Earth or any other terrestrial planet. In 1974, Project Famous would come into Ballard's life, which was the first ever marine scientific exploration by manned submersibles of a diverging tectonic plate boundary on a mid-ocean ridge. It would take place between 1971 and 1974, with Ballard taking part as a geologist diver in Alvin, exploring the median rift valley of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. He joined a joint French-American expedition called FEAR in the following summer of 1975, the goal of the expedition being to search for the hydrothermal vents, which is a fissure in the seabed from which geothermally heated water discharges over the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. But it was fruitless. He would find active hydrothermal vents, however, just not over the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. In 1977, he'd use Alvin to find deep-sea hydrothermal vents and surrounding biology communities based on chemosynthesis on the Galapagos spreading center east of the islands. Ballard was a participating diver on this particular expedition. In 1979, the RISE project, an international marine research project mapping and investigating seafloor spreading on the East Pacific Rise west of Mexico, was aided by deep-toed still camera sleds, and this made it possible to take pictures of the ocean floor, which made it easier to find the locations of hydrothermal vent locations. Alvin later inspected one of these sites that the deep-toe located, and the scientists discovered something incredible. 
black smoke, or a smoke-like substance underwater, was seen billowing out of one of the discovered vents, which was something that wasn't seen in the Galapagos. The day after this discovery, Robert Ballard and geophysicist Jean Franchoteau went down in Alvin, and they were able to take accurate temperature readings of the active vent, which the previous dive had been unable to do because their thermometer melted. It temped at 662 degrees Fahrenheit. They continued searching for more vents on the East Pacific rise between the years of 1980 and 1982. As we know, Ballard was already interested in the ocean, but while working at Woods Hole and scuba diving off Massachusetts in his free time, his love and interest in exploring shipwrecks was born. The work he did for the Navy involved assisting in the development of small, unmanned submersibles that could be tethered to and controlled from a surface ship, essentially ROVs. As early as 1973, he saw this as the best way to search for the then-missing wreck of the infamous Titanic, and he led his first expedition to find her in 1977, which was unsuccessful. He would find her, however, as many of us know. He'd start his search in the summer of 1985 aboard the French research ship Le Soroy, which was equipped with side-scan sonar, SAR, to search for the wreck of Titanic but the French ship would be recalled and he was transferred onto a ship from Woods Hole, the RV Noor. This is an interesting and kind of spicy tidbit that not everyone may know about, but it is definitely an important note of his quest for Titanic. You see, his trip had been financed by the US Navy, but not to look for Titanic specifically. In 1982, he'd expressed his interest to search for Titanic with his new deep sea underwater robot craft, the Argo, to the Navy, but they weren't interested in finding a 70-year-old sunken ocean liner. Instead, they were interested in investigating the wreckage of two Navy nuclear-powered attack submarines that had sank in the 1960s, the USS Scorpion and the USS Thresher. If you want episodes on those two submarines, please let me know in the comment section. The Navy decided the best way to do their secret reconnaissance mission was to use Argo and have Ballard look for them. So they said they'd fund his mission to find Titanic if he looked for the missing submarines first. He was to investigate the sinkings, find out the state of their nuclear reactors after being underwater for so long, and whether or not their radioactivity was impacting the environment. For this, he was placed on temporary active duty in the Navy, and after the two missions were completed, with time and funding permitting, he could use the Navy's resources to find Titanic. After other missions were completed, RV Noor arrived at the site to search for the two submarines on August 22, 1985, deployed Argo into the icy Atlantic waters. They searched for their submarines, with Ballard and crew finding the two had imploded from the immense pressure at depth. The ocean floor was littered with thousands of pieces of debris, and when they followed this enormous debris trail, they found both submarines. Following the debris was much easier than trying to look for the two hulls in the ocean, and using this lesson he learned from the submarines and the fact that he knew Titanic had surely imploded from the similar pressures at depth, he figured there'd be a debris trail for her too. When searching for Titanic, they had Argo sweep back and forth along the ocean floor, looking for the debris. They had to take shifts monitoring the video feed from Argo as it searched two miles beneath the surface. Finally, on September 1st, 1985, the team of observers saw anomalies on the smooth ocean floor. First, it was pockmarks, which are small craters from impacts, and eventually debris was sighted as the rest of the team rose from their beds. A boiler was sighted, and soon after, Titanic's hull loomed into view. 
Finally, the missing vessel was found. And this, dear listeners, is why Robert Ballard is my hero. At this time, Ballard and his team made notes of the ship's exterior and her condition. They confirmed she had split in two, and that the stern was pretty much smashed to pieces where the bow was relatively intact. They didn't have much time to explore the ship, since others were waiting to use RV Nor for other scientific purposes. But it was then that Ballard's fame would become infinite. Initially, Ballard planned on keeping Titanic's location a secret, as he didn't want anyone returning to the site to take prizes from it, as he considered the wreck a cemetery, and to take anything from it would be desecration to him. As we know, the removal and preservation of artifacts has taken place, and for me, I'm thankful. Even if the ship disappeared or collapses, at least we will have remnants to research and look back upon. Later on July 12, 1986, Ballard and team would return on board Atlantis II in order to make the first of many detailed studies of Titanic. He brought Alvin along this time, and it was accompanied by an ROV called Jason Jr. that was small enough to fit into small openings and view the ship's interior. The first dive encountered technical problems and took over two hours, but the following dives were far more successful and produced a vastly detailed photographic record of Titanic's condition. In 1988, Ballard published a book called Discovery of the Titanic, Exploring the Greatest of All Lost Ships, and later he'd retell the specifics of his expedition for National Geographic in a videotape. Also in 1989, Ballard would start the Jason Project, a distance education program to engage and excite middle school students in science and technology, starting the program in response to the thousands and thousands of letters he received from students after he discovered Titanic. Titanic isn't the only famous wreck he discovered, however. He also discovered another ship we'll talk about here soon, the Bismarck. It was a far more daunting task, as Ballard and his team searched off the coast of France for the missing battle behemoth in 1989. They used an ocean-crawling robot for this expedition, searching the 15,000-foot deep water, which is roughly 4,000 feet deeper than where the Titanic sank. When he discovered it, he investigated to try to determine what sank the ship the British or the Germans scuttling the vessel. After the expedition, personal tragedy would break Ballard's heart, as three weeks after finding the Bismarck, his 21-year-old son Todd, who'd been there with him to find the Bismarck, was killed in a car accident. Rest in peace. Ballard published a book in 1990 called The Discovery of the Bismarck, and this expedition, too, would be documented for National Geographic in 1989 by James Cameron in his video Search for the Battleship Bismarck, in which Cameron indicated the ship had been damaged by shells and torpedoes from British ships. According to Ballard, however, the sinking was actually caused by the sabotage of the underwater valves by the onboard crew. Ballard said, quote, we found a hull that appears whole and relatively undamaged by the descent and impact. Cameron disagreed, stating his own crew's examination of the wreck had found the ship would have sank anyway if it had not been scuttled due to battle damage. Both are skilled oceanographers, so both opinions should be considered. In 1992, Ballard was in the Pacific Ocean visiting the sites of World War II wrecks, and there he discovered IJN Kirishima. He published a book called Lost Ships of Guadalcanal, and this book details the locations and shares photographs of the many vessels sunk at Iron Bottom Sound, which is the strait between the Floridas and Guadalcanal Island in the Solomon Islands. Ballard also explored RMS Lusitania's wreck off the Irish coast as well in 1993. 
It had been struck by a torpedo with a secondary explosion following in the engine room. The wreck is in horrible condition due to it being depth charged by the Royal Navy several years later when they mistook the ship for a German U-boat on their radars, and it had been damaged by other explorers, which made forensic analysis on the Lusitania incredibly arduous. Ballard would find no evidence pointing to a boiler explosion, so he speculated the ignition of coal dust inside the ship caused a, quote, massive, uncontrollable explosion. This conclusion has been questioned, with some suggesting the British possibly scuttled the vessel. However, Ballard never found evidence supporting this hypothesis. Some experts still believe it was a boiler explosion, but none of us will ever truly know. We weren't there. Ballard would go on to publish another book, this one called Exploring the Lusitania, Probing the Mysteries of the Sinking that Changed History, with it being titled Robert Ballard's Lusitania in some markets. The book was co-authored by Spencer Dunmore. If you're interested, we do have a video on the Lusitania. Ballard served as a technical consultant on the science fiction series Sequest DSV that aired on NBC, and he consulted for them during their first season between September 1993 and May of 1994. In the closing credits, he spoke about the scientific elements in any of the episodes and gave them contemporary context. Though he exited the series in the second season, he was heavily referenced in the third and the Ballard Institute would be named in his honor. On May 18, 1998, Ballard was searching where the Battle of Midway occurred near the Midway Atoll, and there he found the wreck of USS Yorktown CV-5, resting three miles underwater. The ship was photographed and well documented. Based upon a conclusion in 1976 by scientist and Renaissance man Willard Bascom that stated wrecks were so well preserved in the Black Sea due to the anoxic waters and the fact that wood-eating organisms couldn't survive in this water, Ballard and his team would investigate. A team of marine archaeologists were led by Ballard to identify how the shorelines changed, and they found ancient shorelines, drowned river valleys, and freshwater snail shells. Radiocarbon dating of freshwater mollusk remains indicated an age of about 7,000 years old, which supported the hypothesis that the Black Sea was once a freshwater lake that flooded with seawater and became the Black Sea. The team also discovered three ancient wrecks to the west of Sinop, roughly 328 feet under the water. Two of the wrecks, known as Wreck A and Wreck C, probably date to the late Roman period, and Wreck B most likely dates to the Byzantine period. They also discovered an astonishingly well-preserved wreck deep in the Black Sea at 1,049 feet below the surface. Based upon radiocarbon dating, it's estimated to be from between 410 to 520 AD, with Ballard's team naming the wreck Sinop D. These discoveries happened before and during the year 2000, and they are an incredible piece of the puzzle that is the Black Sea. As we know from our previous video on PT-109 from last year, Robert Ballard and the National Geographic Society would find the missing PT boat in 2002 in the Solomon Islands. They found the torpedo tube and the shipwreck of PT-109, which had been rammed in 1943 by the Japanese destroyer Amaguri off Gizo Island, and the boat had been captained by none other than President John F. Kennedy. They also discovered the identities of the two islanders that had received little to no recognition for finding Kennedy and his shipwrecked crew after they searched for days in their dugout canoe. There was a TV special and a book produced, with Ballard speaking about it at the John F. Kennedy Library in 2005. It's a fascinating story, and if you'd like to hear more about it, check the cards for our video on it. 
In the 1990s, while Ballard was busy discovering wreck after wreck, he also founded the Institute for Exploration, a foundation that specialized in deep sea archaeology and geology. In 1999, it joined forces with the Mystic Aquarium in Mystic, Connecticut, and they are part of the nonprofit organization Sea Research Foundation, Incorporated. In 2003, Ballard would start the Center for Ocean Exploration and Archaeological Oceanography, which is a research program at the University of Rhode Island's Graduate School of Oceanography. Ballard was a busy man, being appointed professor of oceanography in 2004, which he now currently serves as director of the Institute for Archaeological Oceanography at the University of Rhode Island's Graduate School of Oceanography. He was also the first speaker to give the Charles and Marie Fish lecture in oceanography at the university in 2002. And that, dear listeners, brings us up to date on Robert Ballard. He's an accomplished and world-renowned scientist, and I hope this recollection of his life has inspired you to all look into his work. Without him, we wouldn't know what we do about RMS Titanic and many other wrecks. I admire Robert Ballard and his work, and I hope to honor him even in the slightest with this episode. Thank you for tuning in to another bonus episode of Titanic Month on Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a five-star review, as it does help us reach more listeners like you. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, please leave us a comment, and you might hear your favorite ship here on the podcast. Check out our community tab for updates and to interact with us, and don't forget to check out our second channel, Speedforce Media. Tune in next Monday for another bonus episode on the influence of RMS Titanic in film and culture. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.